1: Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. We made it through the weekend. Things still a bit crazy out here in the world of crypto. And we're here on The Hash to get you up to speed. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O. Jensen Assey, Will Foxley. Will is going to lead us off today. Please take it away, Will. What do you got?
3: I am leading off today with some bad news. We keep starting the week off on bad news, but that's kind of where we're at with crypto right now. It's a bear market. Grayscale Bitcoin trust is down to a discount of 43%. It's record high. And that's because, look at this on the right there, Bitcoin is not doing so great either. 50% of wallets are actually in the red in terms of purchases. So if you look at the longevity of coins being purchased since Bitcoin's inception, 50% of those coins have been purchased and now are at a loss. That's a huge negative note for investors out there who probably purchased during like either one of the bull markets and are now sitting on a stack that's underwater And that leads to different accounts in Bitcoin or different products in Bitcoin that aren't doing so hot either. So we have the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which I mentioned a second ago, is down at 43% discount. Of course, Coindesk is now owned by DCG. So we'll make a little disclosure there. Why does this matter that this product is at a discount? Well, a lot of people have it in their 401k. That's the reason this trust product actually gained ground and why it's actually a bedrock of cryptos because people had access to Bitcoin in their traditional brokerage account. For the first time ever, so it's sort of like a uh, very—it's a good metric to follow in terms of Bitcoin. So when it's trading at this high of a discount, you have to start asking questions and wonder what is next and is everything okay. The one thing that really should be noted in this is the reason this is trading at a discount is because a lot of people thought this would be converted into a Bitcoin ETF. That has not happened because the SEC has not moved forward with allowing any Bitcoin ETFs, so we're still just waiting. I didn't see any hands go up. I'm going to throw it up to Zach, get some intelligent takes from you to start off Monday.
1: Could get worse. Orange coin could go further lower. You never know. Things could go south. And there's a lot of rumors swirling out there in the market right now that could indicate that more shoes are yet to drop. It's pretty wild times out here to see who's going to weather this storm and who is going to fold. And I think Bitcoin and those believers are watching closely. Again, I mean, this is the crypto industry. There was a nice piece. I think it was by Dan Kuhn and Coindesk there's the crypto industry capital c capital i and there's crypto capital c and what we're seeing now is a huge contraction in the crypto industry where some bad players and those who have taken risky bets are now being punished for it crypto just the thing itself is probably going to chug along and bitcoin is probably the best example of that right bitcoin which is probably the you know by far the leading uh, decentralized asset in the market uh, is out there soldiering on and it's going to soldier on uh, for the foreseeable future despite all the gloom, doom and gloom in the markets around some actors who are down quite badly. It is wild to watch. And I think people are very attuned to, to Twitter right now to see what's going to happen with, uh, with Grayscale and others. Uh, and I think obviously the GBDC uh, discount is pretty significant, as is the fact that more than 50% of Bitcoin holders are now a bit underwater. But yeah, things could go even lower. So be careful out there, everybody. Uh, Wendy, what's up with you? What do you got?
0: I just am very happy that I've been removing my funds off crypto exchanges just because there's so much FUD, there's so much drama. It's like every single time I log into Twitter, something new is happening. I will say that I don't really see a need for a product like GBTC. I just don't understand why we can't buy Bitcoin ourselves and custody it ourselves. And if the banks do want to come in and take a play on it, I don't understand why we need GBTC, but what do I know? I will see you guys at $10,000 Bitcoin and I will be vindicated.
4: (laughs) I wanted to actually get your opinion. I don't know if you saw the CNBC article this morning that cited Grayscale's blog post. They are saying that despite consumer requests, they will not be showing proof of reserves because of security concerns, given what's going on. And I mean, how vocal you've been about exchanges Showing proof of reserves. I want to know how you're feeling about that. They there's. I Okay. So I
0: understand the security concern for it, but at the same time, we are operating in an industry that is built on transparency, that that utilizes public ledgers. So we're kind of in this era where we're screaming, we don't want regulation. We don't want regulators to come in and do anything, but at the same time, we have this really great technology to be super transparent, and we're refusing to do that. To me, it's very problematic. I don't like it. And um, if an exchange is not going to showcase their proof of reserves, I don't have a link or transaction ID I can check on or address Cons- consistently, I won't be using the exchange. Period. Point blank. Makes no sense for me, especially if I'm going to keep large amount of capital on an exchange.
1: I will say, I, I, have- will, I, will, I will pipe up for uh, Coinbase Custody shared some data this morning suggesting that- that they were custodying a lot of assets behind the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. So there is sort of some information about which uh, which assets are being held, though it is not a full proof of reserve. So I will point that out that Coinbase Custody is out there saying that, you know, here are the numbers behind both the Bitcoin Trust and the Ethereum Trust, uh, as it relates to the Grayscale products, but just throwing that in there. Just throwing that in there. But
0: that's what all these other exchanges said, as they says your funds are safe, they're backed one to one, and then they all file for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. So that's kind of my only gripe with that is, like, I'm if I'm I can't take anybody's word for it. That's like rule number one how I grew up. You can't take anybody's word for anything. Actions speak louder than but words but unless also- I see group of Trust
3: people on the streets.
4: Not trying to fud. Don't trust people on the streets, but. Do your own research.
1: <laughs> All fair. All right, Wendy, you have the next story. Please take it away.
0: And just when we thought we would have not a non-manic Monday, we have this story. FTX Hacker, the hacker, quotes, dumps 50,000 Ethereum and is still among the top 40 Ethereum holders. So the hacker drained approximately $600 million out of multiple FTX Global and FTX U.S. wallets just after filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and converted to Ethereum. Bahamas SEC claim they were involved in the movement of the funds. Many people speculate they were in control of the entire hack. I don't know if I believe that or not. Um, but I think the interesting caveat here is they began swapping the Ethereum for Ren BTC, which is the ERC-20 version of Bitcoin, and bridge it to two wallets on the Bitcoin blockchain. And side note with this, Al- last year, Alameda said REN's development team was joining Alameda and would work on expanding REN's usage to several blockchains, two connected or me. I want to give this over to Will um, for a take. <laughs> oh,
3: I'll give you some takes. Okay, I'll give you some takes. This one we're watching it play out on Twitter. There's this hacked ether. We know some information about the account, and we also don't know some information about the account. Last week, as we noted on the hash, we might know the person behind this hack because the person accidentally docked themselves, docks themselves by moving funds to a Kraken account, and so Kraken actually tweeted out that yes, they know who the identity of this person is. At the same time, none of that information has come public. And there's also this rumor swirling around that the Bohemian Securities Exchange or Securities Commission was somehow involved with this hack. We don't know if that's the case. And then there seems to be this third party which actually hacked the exchange on that fateful Friday night two weeks ago. And there seems to be two entities there. So there's a lot of information swirling around. What we don't right now though, is what's on chain. We have some information about them, them swapping to ether and swapping to rent BTC, which is basically a wrapped version of Bitcoin on the Ethereum network. And then they dump that rent BTC into actual BTC, and they're probably going to try to move that BTC into something else and in order to cash out. Another way that they could be playing this out though, however, is that they are just dumping large amounts of ETH and then taking a short position against ETH and then cashing out on trading accounts that are not linked to any of this money. And that actually might be the safest way for this person to do that without having their identity concealed to the public or shown to the public. At the Same time though, we actually might know who this person is. So it's very confusing that no one has come forward with the information. Uh, I haven't seen anything from chain analysis. I haven't seen any, anything from a lot of different groups. If we knew who this actor was, I'm surprised they haven't revealed that information or at the very least put out a notice for a warrant for arrest for this person since we know the identity. Right now, all we can do on Twitter is watch the chain and watch tokens move around. Jen, I'll throw it over to you.
4: What's real and what's not real? And why is this all playing out on Twitter? I just don't know what to believe in this whole FTX unraveling anymore. It is a lot for a Monday morning. I think it is very suspicious that this REN BTC is what's now being used, especially the connection with Alameda Research last year. And I am curious as to what's going on behind the scenes with the identity of this hacker. So you'll remember last week on the show, we said, like Will said, that uh, Kraken said they know the identity. I wonder what's going on behind the scenes. I wonder who's involved in, in um, I guess, trying to figure out the legalities. Maybe there is um, an account that's being used that was KYC that's actually not attached to someone's legal identity. I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't know what to make of this story zach i'm just passing it up to you
1: <laughs> i'm with you i'm sitting this one out this thing is yeah, too fluid, too crazy and the idea that this is also one of the largest holders of ether in the world is also pretty crazy that this big hack exploit whatever took place at the end of this crazy drawn-out saga of the ftx implosion still i'm not past the initial shock and awe of that whole thing so i'm sitting this out i'm with you
0: jen thanks for joining me zach can we get can control get me like a tinfoil hat anytime I give one of these hot takes? Cause I think that they know you can who it get is. Your and I, own. <laughs> I want I wow. want an animated one though like because that. it'd be funny. A, a nice but anyways, I'll my daughter make me one. I think they know who it is, and they're probably working with FBI and other different agencies to try to track this person down. I think the biggest piece of the story is, is not only is it one of the top 40 like Ethereum holders ever right now, but we have a separate country. That their regulatory bodies are kind of involved in this. And I don't think they know exactly. I don't think the United States necessarily knows exactly how to deal with this. (laughs) It's just very bizarre to me. I think they do know who it is, but they can't speak about it yet. And again, we're just going to see a lot more rumors and speculations um, happening. But again, please get your stuff off centralized exchanges, guys. Right now is not the time.
3: Well, Let's do a little vote. What's more interesting, the SBF Caroline Saga or this hack? I feel like this hack is creeping up and becoming almost as interesting, but I'm still in the SBF Caroline Saga story. A little more interesting.
4: Um, yeah, I'm with you, Will. It's
3: two storylines. Two storylines. Okay. I think four for four then, unless Wendy has a different opinion.
0: No, I, I'm more excited to see what's on chain. I think there's more juicy details in there that I'll let wow. people that are smarter than me explain.
1: Okay. Three for one. I'm going with the close. first one. I'm going with, with the implosion, the why, the when, the mm-hmm. why now, all that, all that the stuff. The juicy this is like stories. a You know, th- this is a major, major hack. I get that. And yet, for some reason, it just doesn't register as more than a foot, footnote in my small, feeble brain. But that is <laughs> that is why I'm more attached to the what I the hell just back. happened with FTX and Alameda <laughs> as opposed to the, oh, here's a very significant exploit that just occurred. So that's that's just me. That's just me. All right, we're going, to be, we're going to leave it there. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's, <laughs> it for, that's it for the first part of the show. The second part of the show comes up after this short break. And on the Ooh. other side of that break, we're going to talk about hardware wallets and a bit of a strategic investment by Binance, that big old crypto exchange. Stick with us. This is The Hash on CoinDesk TV. Thanks.
2: So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about Crypto. It's not transactions per second, it's not convenience, and it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one to one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin.
1: Let's talk about hardware wallets, y'all. We're going to talk about a strategic investment by Binance in Engrave we're going to talk about that and so much more stick with us here's a little thing that's going to play shortly about wallets <laughs> dang that was so metal there was like fire and stuff holy <laughs> smokes An amazing wife thank you control Wallet wars is what it said. Let's talk about this thing. I don't know if it's worry, but it does speak to this moment that we're in of massive distrust in crypto exchanges and what seems like a grand time to be in the hardware wallet business. Trezor, Ledger, both uh, stalwarts of the hardware wallet space are reporting just gangbusters sales, according to a report in The Block. We're looking at demand jumping more than 300% in mid-November, according to a Trezor spokesperson. And with that as backdrop, Binance Labs, which is the venture arm of Binance Crypto Exchange, is making an undisclosed investment in Engrave, an upstart hardware wallet team. So that's what we're talking about. I think the bigger picture here is, again, eroding trust in centralized exchanges. As more people seek self-custody options, it would make sense that Binance would place a bet. I'm going to toss this is to Jen. What do you think?
4: I think it is wallet wars, right? Like, is this the opportunity for Engrave to dethrone, you know, the Trezor or the Ledger wallets? I know, Zach, you mentioned that hardware wallets are seeing record sales. I think I read last week that shortly after FTX's collapse, Ledger saw their highest single day sales ever. And then on the Unchained podcast, Ledger CEO said people are realizing that we must return to decentralization and self custody. I think it's really interesting that Binance seems to position themselves in these strategic investments exactly at the right time. We saw this when they invested $200 million into Forbes as the mainstream media was really picking up crypto headlines. Now everyone's talking about hardware wallets. They're getting their crypto off of centralized exchanges. And here's Binance behind the scenes making a strategic investment into Bangrave. I wonder if this is going to be part of their marketing play, if Bangrave is going to be a part of their like learn platform, you know, come learn about self-custody and also get this wallet. Binance has famously not spent a lot of dollars marketing and that's maybe why they're in the position they're in now. And they just keep making the right move. Wendy?
0: I think that it's a very interesting play. And one thing about CZ is he's very, very calculated and the people that he has working behind them, are also very calculated. It's like they've taken this very, very slow approach to marketing. And marketing is something crucial. It's something that's important for every single industry, but they're doing it the right way. Like right now, hardware wallets are trending. So to make a strategic investment um, in this product makes sense. And it's also good for the platform. It shows shows users that he does care, that the platform does care. So again, we are going to see this big shift from people Um, using centralized exchanges to custody their coins and now moving over to more decentralized options like cold storage wallets, etc. And it's going to take a while. And I am seeing a little bit of pushback from my audience on TikTok. They keep yelling at me saying, I've got paper hands (laughs) removing my stuff from exchanges and not wanting to actively trade right now and consolidating some of my stuff. But you know what? I feel so much better either sitting in cash or in cold storage at times like this.
3: Yeah, the only comment I have on it is... sort of seems like this market's cyclical where things go up for hardware wallets like in terms of sales when prices are down and certainly the catalyst here is like what's happened with ftx where people don't want to have their coins on a different exchange and that exchange might go belly up in a second i think a lot of people learned their lesson this time around and that happened last cycle as well right where people get bitcoin into an ico or they tried to buy an ico token and then it was dumped or whatnot you know you can lose your tokens very easily unless you're are custodying them yourself. That being said, it's also pretty easy to lose your coins when you're custodying yourself and you open yourself up to other like attack vectors. So just be mindful out there. Only words of wisdom I have for the crowd. But Zach, give it back up to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, self custody is a huge feature of the cryptocurrency space, right? It eliminates all counterparty risk. The only counterparty risk is yourself and your ability to not mess it up when you have it on a hardware <laughs> wallet. That is certainly a risk, but you're not undertaking Counterparty risk that we all undertake when we interact with financial institutions, both in the established traditional finance world and in the world of crypto finance, as we're seeing unfold here just in dramatic fashion. So it's something definitely worth playing with. Settle aside a little degen time if you've not yet toyed around with a hardware wallet and figure out what it feels like to actually hold those assets and to hold your keys uh, on a device of your own keeping rather than entrusting them to an intermediary or a custodian. It's definitely um, worth feeling and you know, no better time than the present, right, Wendy?
0: Got to do it. Got to do it, guys. And again, you got to hold yourself accountable and not blame anybody else if you lose your private seed phrase or do anything ridiculous. Some of the TikToks I'm seeing, guys, and the lack of um, personal accountability is just wild. Shameful.
4: I think it's important to note if you're getting your first hardware wallet, you don't need to have that hardware wallet forever to have access to your funds. So I think a lot of people who who are just getting into hardware wallets are afraid, I'm gonna lose this. I lose USB keys, hard drives all the time. As long as you keep that secret phrase safe, you have access to your money. All right, let's transition into our last story. We're talking about a Trad Five figurehead. Feels like a long time since we've done that. American billionaire investor and hedge fund manager, Bill Ackman has turned a leaf and is endorsing crypto. In a Twitter thread, Ackman said he's a fan of Helium. The decentralized Wi-Fi mesh network has been accused of some fraudulent endorsements from tech giants like Salesforce, and also reportedly exaggerated its relationship with Dish Network. We spoke about that on the show months ago. HNT, the native token, is down nearly 95% over the past year, according to CoinGecko data. And it seems to me like an odd time for a TradFi figurehead to come out in support of a project with such a checkered past. It just feels like not the right moment. But uh, Will, I'm gonna pass it to you. What did you make of this thread?
3: Crypto is the great reaper. We have these awesome legendary investors come into the fold and then just get like whacked. I don't even know what happens to them. It's just, <laughs> they can't handle it. Last night we saw Mark Cuban just like unfollow so many different people in crypto last night. And why? All his coins are down, right? Like He bought the top. And that happens with a lot of these investors. They come into crypto, they think what's going on, they think they can apply like their old models to it. Crypto doesn't work that way. Crypto is pretty wild and you have to you have to hold on for dear life. I know that's not actually what HODL means, but you do have to hold on for dear life in many of the situations because no one's used to it, right? Bitcoin hit $69,000 a year ago, and now we touched $15,000 last night, right? And we have like a lot of these lending firms blowing up. We have all these projects and tokens everyone thought was going to legitimize the space, explode. And that is part of what crypto, what makes crypto awesome. It's also what makes crypto unappealing for so many people out there. And it's lastly, what makes crypto very hard for investors in traditional space to value crypto now. They seemingly always make the wrong bet. And with this instance, Helium Network does have some troubling aspects about it. They've exaggerated some claims. They've made false claims. There seems to be some things that just flat out did not exist. And there seems to also be some issues with that, like the token itself. Token, like it's a cool model, but if it's not a buyer for the token, then it's sort of just bleeding value all the time. And there's a lot of investors who bought Helium Token or bought the node network last year, and now they're racing to zero along with everybody else. So it was odd to see him throw this tweet thread up last night, and he got burned on crypto Twitter for doing so. Zach, throw it up to you.
1: All right. So full disclosure, I've done a little bit of events programming for Helium. So bear with me. I have no HNT bags, no financial stake in this thing, but I will say that you guys might be sort of missing the missing, wait, seeing, missing, seeing the forest for the trees, missing the forest for the trees. I always mess that one up, but that's what I'm accusing you guys here because the point stands step away from HNT as an example. His point is that tokens have a powerful ability to incentivize cooperation across disparate actors. And HNT, I think has been a poster child of some of the more traditional finance leaning people in the space. I remember this uh, New York Times glowing profile about uh, Helium being the one true use case that proves crypto utility uh, some months ago, right? So we've seen that in the, in the mainstream press as sort of a talking point. But I think basically what he's trying to say is like tokens work magic, right? They get people to do things. They get people to bootstrap networks. They get people to bootstrap liquidity in a way that doesn't exist with existing internet technologies. And that's why he's saying, It could be as revolutionary as the internet or the telephone uh, after all this craziness shakes out, right? I think a little bit of this is rich guy talking his own book because as he mentions later on, he's invested in a project that leverages helium, right? So rich guy talking book to me is the story here rather than beefing with the particulars of helium and the project itself. But hey, that's just what I'm saying. I think the broader point, we often discuss it. Tokens have a way of incentivizing collective activity. I don't know. What do you guys think?
4: I was going to get there, Zach. I just want to say I was going to get there. I think a, some of what he said in his Twitter thread is true. And there was a tweet that Control threw up on the screen earlier. And, and his outlook on crypto, I think, is right and aligned with what we say on the show so often. It just feels weird in the current climate for him to be backing or or vocally backing in public on Twitter where everything is unraveling helium. And then he promoted two other projects, the Origin Foundation. He said he has a stake in the Origin Foundation, which it's not really clear what they do. And then a position in Goldfinch Finance. I don't know. It just felt like a weird time, but I'll stop rambling. And Wendy, I'm sorry I cut you off.
0: No, that's okay. I just don't understand why all these really successful people in traditional finance are not really able to take a step back and look and see that crypto still does operate in a four-year cycle. It's something that's happened for quite some time. I don't understand. like. I am not the smartest person in the room ever and never do I want to be, but I don't understand how I get this and I'm able to make a little bit better um, investment decisions in some of these fancy suits. It just is absolutely mind-blowing, but kudos to them.
3: Kudos indeed. Last point, I want to throw some shade back up, Zach. I think the token model is fine, right? Like the token model works. But his choice here is like, why did you pick H&T versus any other Thank token you, in the Will. ecosystem that like Thank makes a little bit more sense? Like H&T has like a, it does have a track record of exaggerating claims at the very least as detailed in this article. And so for him to put this out, it just seems like he didn't do any due diligence. And we've seen what that causes with like FTX and all these other firms blowing up. So that'd be my one rebuttal. And now we have to close up shop. So I think I win the argument wow you got last word
1: there that was well timed by you <laughs> i will say the lime shout out was definitely a bit sus so that one had been thoroughly debunked me, so maybe he got a little bit of what he deserved wow we all came together hugs all around thanks for watching the hash on a monday it's still crazy out there in crypto i'm definitely glued to the internet too much at present i'm zach seward that's wendy o jensen Assey, will foxley we part you thanks for watching the hash we'll talk to you tomorrow thanks